the vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. Yes, it can seem rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, and it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of your inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. Here on The Christine Uptrich Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Are you ready to step into your vibration of change? Hello, everybody. Welcome. You may be listening live here in the Seattle area on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM KKNW, or anywhere around the world on Transformation Talk Radio, or you might be listening after the fact on one of the 50 stations where this ends up, including on ChristineUpchurch.com. But whenever and wherever you're joining us from today, so grateful you're here, and you're going to be grateful, too, because we've got another great conversation But before I share who our guest is today, I want to say hello to the man behind the technology who just seems to be a a great multitasker, who's in a quite the Christmassy sweater, (laughs) Mr. Benny Mathers. Well, Festivus around here uh, for the rest of us, as far as uh, we have a little, it's not a holiday thing. Well, I guess it is a holiday thing, but they said today is to bring your festive holiday sweater. Uh So I busted out Kris Kringle. He's got some sunglasses on. Yeah. There's a little pocket in the front for a beverage holder. <laughs> it is a beverage holder for some beverage that's clearly empty right now, which oh I could dear. really use. Oh, dear. I only got an hour left in the shift, so. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I'm looking forward to it. Did you get all your shopping done? Um, all your almost. cats got everything they needed? All, yeah. All and, their stockings. And my kids, you know, it's like I, I'm the kind of person who will get things that I buy for my kids anywhere, yeah. anyway and then wrap them up at Christmas time because mm-hmm. it just happens to be around Christmas. Right. So there are plenty of packages under the tree. Um, I did, I'm a little behind on some of the stuff that I normally do because lost power all day yesterday. I had, it was pretty wet, uh, wet and wild and windy. So oh my speak. goodness. Yeah. So yeah. everything okay up at your house? I mean, yeah, okay. well, I'm, you know, it's funny because I, I, I will often be like enclosing the house in white mm-hmm. light visually and, uh, right, you're the brightest the one on the block right now. <laughs> well, you were the brightest one on the block, I guess. But it's <laughs> You know, I've got all these like 60, 70 foot trees and when you get yeah. 60 mile per hour gusts and you're this little house in the middle of it and not so little, but, you know, mm-hmm. small enough relative to the trees that, um, you know, it's like things come flying down. A little and nervous, but you were protected. I guess there's the bright side to it. Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. If that's what you want to call like, it, then sure. I go back and forth between my, you know, my, my conscious level and then my, my human like, oh crap, I hope that doesn't hit. Reality check. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. But everything, I mean. Overall yeah. is okay. Oh, yeah, okay. the yard's a mess, but um, no trees down on my property. I give you something to do, I guess. Uh, You're yeah, like, who no. is this guy? <laughs> Get your sons to help. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> who is this guy? <laughs> yeah, and I I'm grateful to be here today. I'm grateful to have power back. I am too. I'm thankful you're here. And it's you know just a few days before Christmas. I know. Um, oh my goodness! Get I don't ready? know. It, it so happened fast. It happened fast. And you know. Um, our associate producer, Peggy Snow, has been saying for a long time, we need to have somebody on the show who talks about Enneagrams, and I've got the perfect person to do that. And she chose our guest today, Beatrice Chestnut. She's a licensed psychotherapist, a coach, a business consultant, and she's based out in San Francisco. So same coast, but a little farther south. She has her doctorate in communication studies and a master's in clinical psychology. 
She's been a student of the Enneagram system since 1990. And she's the author of a couple of different books, uh, The Complete Enneagram, 27 Paths to Greater Self-Knowledge, and The Nine Types of Leadership, Mastering the Art of People in the 21st Century Workplace. She was the president of the International Enneagram Association from 2006 to 2007, and she offers public workshops on the Enneagram internationally. She focuses on using it as a tool for personal and professional transformation. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Beatrice Chestnut. Hi, Beatrice. Oh, thank you. It's good to be here. (laughs) You know, um, I'm really appreciative that as a part of my research, you sent me a link to take um, this Enneagram survey. Now, I have to tell you that, oh, there's so many systems out there, and I feel a little overwhelmed by them. Um, And on the other side of learning what category we we belong to, you know, there's got to be a real payoff And I'll tell you, I found it very fascinating. But before we get into some of the details about that, I'm just curious about how you found your way to the Enneagram and why it is you've been inspired to share this with the world. So I learned the Enneagram in 1990, actually kind of by accident, um, from a friend's father. So I had grown up with a, a guy who was a good friend of mine from junior high on, and uh, when I was in my early 20s, I learned the Enneagram from his father, who was a psychiatrist at Stanford, um, and who wow. had recently come upon the Enneagram, and just, you know, even being a psychiatrist, th- thought he thought it was, like, the thing, the, the best thing he'd ever seen to help people understand themselves. So oh, was, my goodness. That says a lot, doesn't it? Yes. And he was starting uh, an Enneagram school with Helen Palmer, who was a person who wrote one of the first popular books about the Enneagram. And so one night over dinner, he said, this is what, I, this is what it is. I think here's what type I think you might be. Uh-huh. And I went home and read uh, a few chapters of Helen Palmer's book, and I was completely, uh, completely surprised in a good way. And uh, and really, it felt like it changed my life almost immediately in terms of giving me so much information about myself, um, part that I already knew, but then parts that I barely wanted to admit uh-huh. uh, and didn't really want to see in myself, sure. but uh, just gave me so much self-knowledge. And it almost like, what's going on that there's something like this that can um, show me so much about myself to myself in a way that I never thought possible. So right. that's that's when I learned it, and I went through their school. They started an Enneagram training program, uh, and I happened to go move to Chicago to do my doctorate at that point, and I had a cousin that lived there who happened to know the Enneagram, and he gave me some of the books uh, of people who were sort of talking about the, sort of the ancient teachings behind the Enneagram, and uh-huh. so that made me even more interested uh, so how far so, does it go back? You talk about ancient teachings. Well, no one really knows exactly where it came from, but I think it's hundreds, probably thousands of years old. You find traces of it in uh, some ancient teachings and uh, the Greeks. Uh, and the thing I like to point to that I think is, you know, there's, there's, it's hard to find hard proof because a lot of the Enneagram related teachings came through secret schools uh, right. uh, where people couldn't really reveal what they were doing. Sure. <laughs> um, but the thing I like to point to that I think is pretty clear evidence of that the Enneagram has been around for a long time is Homer's Odyssey. Uh-huh. You know, this is one of the first books ever written down. Uh, it's a story of homecoming of Odysseus who invented the Trojan horse after uh-huh. the Trojan War. He's sure. going home 
the metaphoric journey home to the true self, and he visits nine mythic lands with nine mythic creatures, right. and he encounters yes. all these challenges, as you know. Yeah. And it turns out these nine lands and their creatures uh, match the themes of the Enneagram types exactly. Isn't and that he, interesting? And he visits these lands in order as they're arrayed around the Enneagram 9876543321. Fascinating. Um, and, and so I think that kind of made me think, okay, there's at least some, there's other kind of forms of proof in, in like esoteric Christianity and, and places like that, but um, no one really knows where it comes from, but it's thought to be very old. So on a high level, what is the Enneagram? The Enneagram is, it's a, it's different things, but I think mainly it's a personal growth tool. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a way of gaining insight into our automatic patterns uh-huh. uh, that form our personality. And it, it sort of highlights things uh, about ourselves and the way we operate in the world. And it's a growth tool in that it's kind of based on the idea that our personality isn't all of who we are. Mm-hmm. It's only that part of us that developed to survive in the world. And by, and so it helps us, uh, and it gets us to a certain point. But when, in adulthood, it becomes, in a way, like an in, it becomes self-limiting uh-huh. because we tend to do the same things we've done over and over again because they work. Sure. We tend to lean on the same strengths that we have, and we don't realize that um, we're not developing other parts of ourselves. We don't see certain blind spots. Uh-huh. Uh, and so the Enneagram highlights what our blind spots are. It highlights both our strengths and our challenges so that we can recognize what we might need to learn about ourselves and kind of break out of old defensive patterns and grow more into who all of who we can be you mm-hmm. know, to manifest more of our higher potential. So do you think that it's, you, you talked about like, you know, based on our, our upbringing and stuff, do you think it's all nurtured? Do you think there's a, a nature piece of it as well? Do you think we're, we're born with certain tendencies? I do. I think it's, I think it's, it's uh, a lot, uh, a lot nature. Uh-huh. I think we are born as who we are. We're not born as sort of a blank slate. Um, certainly, nurture, uh, early environment has an effect, and a lot of people who study this have have come to the point where it's not nature versus nurture; uh-huh. it's nature and nurture, sure. or nature needs nurture. Uh-huh. So I think there are certain things nurture influences, and certainly people can look back on their childhood and say, "Oh, I can see how this personality." type that I ended up being kind of worked in my environment and how I used it as a strategy. Right. But I think it's really based on inborn tendencies to a large degree. Mm-hmm. And I think that any parent who's had multiple kids um, can attest to the fact that our children arrive with personality intact. It's like kind of like there, there, there are certain things that can be nurtured or kind of, you know, helped to kind of shift away from. But generally speaking, we arrive here with with yes. personality and I think purpose as well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, when we return from our break, I'm going to have Beatrice share with you about the the nine different types, what that means, and and also talk a little bit about subtypes, which really helps to inform us better about um, who we are and what our strengths and weaknesses are and and how we can evolve. Stay tuned for more with Beatrice Chestnut here in just a few moments. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, 
it can be rather elusive to get there. But when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. If you struggle with fear and anxiety, you know how powerless and stuck these emotions can make you feel. You've tried everything, but nothing helped you overcome these blocks. Dr. Friedman Schaub, award-winning author of The Fear and Anxiety Solution, created a special program which helped thousands of his clients to become healthy, happy, and confident again. Learn how to eliminate negative self-talk, let go of your emotional baggage, and replace limiting beliefs. With Dr. Friedman's accelerated program, you can break through your challenges. Visit thefearandanxietysolution.com. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. For centuries, spiritual traditions have talked about how humans have an energy field, or aura, surrounding them. Although skeptical scientists refuted this for decades, science is now beginning to catch up with spirituality. Scientists can actually measure light emanating from living beings, so they can measure the human aura, which in scientific terms is known as the biofield. Many medical practitioners around the world use an instrument to evaluate a patient's biofield for the purpose of diagnosing illness. They understand that imbalanced or insufficient light in a person's energy field indicates a physical or emotional problem. The good news? There are ways to balance and increase your light, resulting in greater well-being. For more information, please check out StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. How many times do you find yourself saying, it was nothing, or just doing my job? When really, you knocked it out of the park. How did you get like this? Next time someone tells you, great job, you'll know how to accept it and not deflect it by listening to Courage to be Seen Radio with host Sherry Clark. Sherry Clark is an experienced global engineering leader, coach, and mentor. From her experiences one-on-one coaching to corporate consulting and executive coaching, Sherry has learned many women need at least three things to discover and face success. Learn about the ACES program, how to survive male-dominated fields with grace and authenticity, and reach the top without ever once giving up on who you are. Courage to be Seen host Sherry Clark explores the awesome power of your entire self and how far you can go by being more you. Check out her website, CourageToBeSeen.com. You have the courage to be seen. See you later. Welcome back to the Christine Eptrick Show here on KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. And I've really enjoyed watching Benny <laughs> d- dancing to that music just the way they do in, in the Peanuts. In the Peanuts. You remember them. the scene. They're on stage oh, and they're, all, do- they're yeah. all doing their own little dance. I was dance. in my mind. Right. And then you started doing that with your head. And, and I turn like, to the side and you do like the Linus where you yeah. go back and forth. And yeah, you're gonna, you guys are going to, those of you who are watching <laughs> online are going to wish that the camera had been pointed to Benny. <laughs> <laughs> no. You do just fine. You do just fine. <laughs> You know, um, Beatrice, I'm fascinated by this system of nine different types, and I know that there's subtypes, and, and that's informative too, but can you first please share with our listeners about these nine different types 
and um, what some of the characteristics are so that people can just start to think in terms of who they might be. Sure, sure. I do like to start with the three centers of intelligence. So okay. there are nine types, and it's the Enneagram based on, uh, it has a whole mathematical basis, but there, the, it's based on the idea that we have three centers of intelligence. We're three-brained beings. We have a head, a heart, and a body, and all of which are kind of co-equal centers of intelligence. Uh-huh. And there are three types that kind of live more from the head, uh-huh. Uh, than the other two centers, three types that live more from the heart and three types that live more from the body. Right. And the three body-based types are eight, nine, and one. And each of them have some, their their character is a bit shaped by uh, their connection to anger. doesn't mean they always get angry. It just means their character is shaped by the relationship they have to that key emotion. Uh, I would say eights, uh, nines, and ones, uh, eights tend to overdo anger, nines underdo anger, and ones are kind of in, in between. Uh-huh. Um, starting with ones, ones are sometimes called, and I don't use the names in my book because I think they can confuse as much as they enlighten, but I do like when people are first hearing about it, it does give a little bit of information to start with. Sure. Ones are the perfectionist or the reformer. Uh-huh. Uh, these are people that tend to see very clearly how something could be more perfect or something could be improved. They tend to be a bit self-critical, and they tend to see the world in terms of right and wrong, and mm-hmm. they want to do the right thing, and they want to be good, uh, they want to be virtuous, uh, and so they can tend to be very focused on making the world a better place mm-hmm. and improving things. Um, I would say nines are sometimes called the mediator or the peacemaker. Uh-huh. Uh, these are people who uh, like to create harmony where they go. They like everyone to get along. They tend to be very connected to people. They don't like conflict, so they tend to be people who diffuse conflict naturally. They can see all sides of an issue, uh, but they can sometimes have a hard time knowing what their own view is or what their own or acting in their own behalf because uh-huh. their attention goes out to others and how they can connect with others and adapt to others and kind of make things go more smoothly in the world of others. And then uh, eights are sometimes called the challenger or the boss. Uh-huh. Um, eights tend to be their attention, and, and the Enneagram is based a lot on where your attention goes, and eights' attention goes to power uh, and control and who has the power, will they be fair, will they be just. Uh-huh. Uh, eights like to uh, make big things happen. Uh-huh. Uh, they can tend to be rebellious and kind of go against uh, people, especially if they're, they think they're not being just or they're uh, not... Uh, protecting other people. They can be very generous and protected and big-hearted, but can also have a big energy, and other people often find them intimidating because of this big energy. Um, Twos, threes, and fours are what we call heart types, so they come more from emotion, and they focus more on relationship, more as a primary focus. Twos are sometimes, this is my type, twos are sometimes called the giver or the helper, but I think this can be misleading because it's actually strategic help. Uh, twos want to be liked by others, and, and, and supporting others is often a means to getting liked. Uh-huh. Um, they tend to focus on relationships a lot. They tend to be um, very generous and supportive of others, but it's, uh, it's a kind of a strategy to get their needs met without having to ask directly because they, they often got the message in childhood that it wasn't okay to be needy, right, uh, right. so they tend to focus on others. Okay, so then uh, type three, three. Okay. is sometimes called the performer. Um, 
uh, type threes, it's interesting, Type America is a type three culture. Um, type threes are very uh, uh, work-focused. Uh-huh. Um, twos, threes, and, twos and threes uh, try to create an image to be liked or approved of. Twos try to create an image of being supportive, helpful, friendly, loving. Um, threes try to create an image of being successful and productive. Uh-huh. Uh, so they tend to be very work-focused. They're the workaholics of the Enneagram. They tend to be very focused on being effective and productive. Uh, they're even though they're heart types, they tend to turn down the volume on their feelings because mm. feelings get in the way of doing, <laughs> and they're very focused on doing and achieving and uh, goals, very a task orientation. Because if you're going to be successful, it pays to be able to kind of meet any goal that you want. So three is a, a, a type that's very at home, say in American corporate culture, right, uh, because right. they're very results oriented. Yep. Fours, uh, sometimes called the romantic or the artist, um, and fours are probably the type that's most in touch with their emotion and tends to feel emotion very deeply and a wider range of emotions. They can feel things very intensely. Uh, they tend to focus on, um, on comparing themselves to others, and sometimes they find themselves to be lacking or deficient mm-hmm. or kind of needing something to be better. Uh, that and other people have it. Other times they find themselves to be special, uh, and so fours can have an issue around connecting with people. Uh, they tend to want to be understood. They value authenticity. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tend to be motivated to express their deep emotions, often through artistic endeavors, uh, and they're very concerned with aesthetics, and, and they, their attention also goes to what's missing or what could, could be there that could make things better. Uh-huh. So that, that was all three of the heart. What about the head? The head types are five, six, and seven. So uh, five, six, and seven all have a relationship to fear. Twos, threes, and fours, their relationship is to sadness or grief. And again, these are underlying emotions, not things that people necessarily walk around feeling. But uh-huh. sixes, fives, and sevens are all um, very mental, more intellectual. Fives, I would say, are the, more, the most introverted type. Uh, the least in touch with their emotions, they tend to automatically disconnect from emotions, uh, and they tend to kind of almost take refuge in the head. They tend to be mm-hmm. very good at, uh, they master, they become experts in their field. Uh, they're very oriented toward knowledge, information, data, facts, things like that. Um, and they tend to like a lot of private space and can be focused on boundaries and having enough distance to feel a sense of that they have their own personal space and control of their own boundaries. Sometimes people think fives are more insensitive because they can seem a little bit quiet and distant, uh-huh. but actually uh-huh. they're very sensitive, which is why they need a little more space. Interesting. Even though they're head-based, they're sensitive. Yes, they're sensitive, but it's a yeah. It's it's almost like not having. I've heard it said like like a cat that doesn't have hair. It it, it can be oh, okay. sort of they're yes. very they pick up on things very easily, and so and and it can feel they can feel overwhelmed, especially by other people's emotions. Right, which is why they need some space and they need to be able to um, maintain control over time and space and energy and mm-hmm. resources like that. Yeah. So then type 6 is uh, sometimes, oh, and by the way, type 5 is sometimes called the observer or the quiet specialist. Uh-huh. Um, uh, type 6 is sometimes called the, the contrarian or the devil's advocate. Sixes are types that are, are more, uh, more centrally fear-based, and these are people who their attention goes to looking out for threats, 
and danger on the horizon uh, and being prepared in case something goes wrong. So they tend to be good problem solvers that sometimes become problem seekers Mm -hmm. because they're sort of thinking, okay, what could go wrong here and how can I create contingency plans so that if the worst happens, I'm ready. Right. Uh, And so in three different ways. And with six, we haven't talked about subtypes, but it's almost hard. The three sixes are very different. And it sort of goes with the idea of there being different responses to fear, like fight or flight. Everyone Uh kind of understands that. Sure. There are different ways of going about sort of managing fear and managing relationships. They tend to be good at reading people, uh, seeing through false pretenses, because, again, their attention goes to, uh, is, this, is this person trustworthy? Uh, do their uh, actions match what they say? Uh, they're, they're looking out a little bit for what could go wrong or who might uh, be dangerous uh-huh. in that way. Um, but also really good at getting a lot done and good troubleshooters on a work team, things like that. Interesting. And that leaves one type left. One type left, sevens. So sevens are sometimes called the epicure or the adventurer. When people first learn the Enneagram, they often want to be sevens or want to hang out with sevens. Because uh-huh. sevens are kind of the fun type on the Enneagram. They, uh-huh. uh, they like to keep things light. They're very positive. Uh, they tend to look on the bright side, um, but this is all of the types have a kind of an ego strategy, a, a survival strategy uh, that's based in a kind of pattern of defense. And so uh, sevens, which sevens pattern, which is often unconscious, is they're moving toward pleasure uh, to move away from pain. Mm, so there's yeah, a, almost a, an underlying fear that's not always conscious of getting stuck in an unpleasant emotion like anxiety or discomfort or fear or even boredom uh, and so there's almost a need to make things light to, to be stimulated a lot of they like a lot of mental stimulation they're good at generating ideas in the workplace they tend to be very entrepreneurial because they think out of the box uh-huh. uh, they are very future oriented because it, they're again unconsciously going away from what could be unpleasant in the moment now yes. uh, to thinking about something exciting and interesting in the so they tend to be good at planning, uh, good at envisioning what, what good things that could happen, uh, again, both as a strength and as a way of kind of moving away from something that an underlying fear of getting trapped in something unpleasant. This is fascinating. Um, we're going to be heading to a break, and I want you as a listener to see if one of these categories resonated with you. And for those of you who've been listening for a while... I have to tell you that I I took um, Beatrice's um, survey to figure out what type I am. See if you can guess what it is. I'll share that when we return. Stay tuned for more with Dr. Beatrice Chestnut here in just a few moments. Maggie Snow, practitioner at Stellar Reflections with a Stellar Reflections Minute. So many people these days are trying to find ways to relieve their stress. What happens to our breathing when we're feeling overwhelmed and stress? When we tune in, we realize that we're either holding our breath or taking very shallow breath. To signal the body that all is well, which most of the time it is, sometimes all that is needed is a nice, deep breath to break the cycle. First exhale to get all the stale air out by engaging the abdominal muscles and blowing gently. Next, take a nice, full breath in, feeling it fill your body all the way down to your hips. Release fully and enjoy the freedom of movement. Notice how your body feels. Do you feel refreshed? Calmness is only a breath away. This has been a Stellar Reflections Minute. For more information about what we offer at Stellar Reflections, visit us at StellarReflections.com 
or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Your money is your creational energy when you feed your wealth back into what you love. It signals your choices and returns to you. Tune in to Money Momentum with host Karen Baines and learn the truth about the widely misunderstood creative energy that is the cash in your pocket. Realign the things you can't see to get the results you can see. Listen every month for a whole new hour on how to get the money already aligned to who you are. For more information on Karen and Money Momentum, visit soulwhispers.uk. This is Debbie Pokornik with a moment for standing in your power. Self-control begins with noticing how different feelings present themselves in your body. When you're feeling sensitive, for example, your chin might quiver, tears might well up in your eyes, and your voice might catch in your throat. Anger, on the other hand, might appear as tension in your jaw, back, or arms, along with clenched fists, heat in the upper torso, scowling, and a strong desire to yell. The more aware you become of your body cues, the easier it will be to recognize when you're on the road to disaster. Choose the emotions that cause you problems, then start noticing and logging the body cues that come with them. For information and to work with Debbie, visit EmpoweringNRG.com. That's EmpoweringNRG.com. Are you meeting your sales goals? Or maybe your business plan could use a dose of the divine. Tune in to Divinely Driven Results with faith-based business coach Elise Smith on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Coach Elise Smith helps listeners get unstuck from their business plateau and become empowered through divine guidance. Build up belief in yourself and your dreams and learn business strategies that work for you for real lasting results. Learn more by visiting www.DivinelyDrivenResults.com. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance. From the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On the Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch Show here on 1150 AM KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. You know, I think that I could envision them going and decorating the little tree in Charlie Brown Christmas. Is that that what that music was to? Yeah, it's the uh, Otanenbaum. We actually, uh, the first year the boys were born, we actually got one of those little trees. Not Did the you? one that was from the movie, because they actually make one just like the one from the movie, too. Do they really? Yes, it's got one little ball hanging off the oh. top of it, curled all the way down to the floor, practically. <laughs> but, because, um, you know, we were limited on space. We had just kid stuff all over, and, you know, when you have twins... And you didn't really know you were having twins until you found out. Uh-huh. Uh, the the house got packed pretty quick, full of items, sure. and so we ended up getting a tree topper. They sell the top of a tree 
that didn't really sell or from the bottom half didn't work out so well. So they'll cut the top off and they'll sell that separately. Oh, so it was tree. cute. We made that's, a little cute tree. Out that's of great. Yeah, and it's it's great that you, your kids are what eight now. Your boys they will eight? be eight next month. Yes. Yeah, in January. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and my my kids are all grown, so um, it's which the spirit's still there though, Christine. It is oh, okay. It's, it's I love it, and Good. Um, it, but it's also fun with the little ones. Absolutely, I'm so grateful to have <clears throat> Dr. Beatrice Chestnut here today. She is talking about the Enneagram, and her books are very informative. And I tell you that um, I'm fascinated by this system. Now, Beatrice, you know, as I said on the break, I've seen so many different systems, and I often find them overwhelming. Like. How can I get pertinent information out of this if I'm just overwhelmed looking at the, the information? But I took the assessment that you sent to me. And then when I was reading the, the assessment, the results, it typed me as an eight, uh, which is like the challenger, the, the boss. Um, and in many, many ways, it fit perfectly, including my... Fear of vulnerability. You know, it's like one of my challenges in this life has been like the more public I get to share some of my vulnerabilities. And I did that recently in my TEDx talk when I shared about how I was molested as a, as a young child. But it was like this huge leap for me to be that vulnerable that publicly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's, and, and when eights can allow themselves to be vulnerable, it's very powerful because their natural tendency is to kind of overcompensate and uh, sort of unconsciously avoid vulnerability and overcompensate in expressing power and strength. Uh-huh. Um, so that's exactly the growth path, and that sounds like a very amazing, profound thing that you did. Yeah, uh, you know, or crazy, depending on you know which part of me is in control <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's it's. Um, I was fascinated by it, and then you also have subtypes, and and there were certain things within the type eight. It's like I'm not sure that this aligns perfectly but there was so much that was a yes but by the time I got to reading about what my subtype was um, I thought you know this system is incredibly accurate so can you share with our listeners what the subtypes are and why you sort of tone it down to that next level sure so the subtypes uh, are the idea that for each of the nine types there are actually three versions of each type there are three kinds of three types based on which of one of three instincts we have that, again, all people have, but we tend to favor one more than the other. Uh, So we tend to favor one center of intelligence more than the other. We tend to live more from one type within that center. Uh And then within our type, we tend to, one of these three instincts tends to dominate our experience. And the three instincts are basically these kind of groupings of instincts uh, for self-preservation in the world, just sort of surviving one's uh, focus on, you know, resources, um, are you safe, things like that. Uh And then the social instinct, which is about relating to the group uh, or what your relationship is to the collective or other people generally. Mm -hmm. And then the one-to-one instinct, which is a lot about uh, interpersonal bonding with one other person. And you can see how all three of these can function as survival strategies that, that reflect the, the animal part of us, the, our animal intelligence. Right, right. And um, what, what's your subtype? So my subtype is self-preservation. So that's, that's my, that dominates my experience. So I'm at what, a self-preservation too. Um, and this is, in the, even in the Enneagram world, the subtype component of the system hasn't always been well understood and 
sometimes people say, well, I'm just learning nine, 27 sounds like a lot. Mm -hmm. But when you learn your type, one of nine, it's a good idea to look into the subtypes because they just give more specific, more nuanced information. And like you said, reading about the type eight, there was a lot that fit, but there were some that didn't fit. Oftentimes when you read the subtype piece, which gives more data, more information, more specific, more nuanced description of what your personality might be like and how it gets expressed in the world, um, that often can give you just more information where you can get even more clarity on, on who you are in your personality. So as a giver, helper, who has a subtype of self-preservation, how does that manifest itself in your life? So for me, it, it, a, a two that has a self-preservation instinct is tends to be a bit more fearful than other twos. Uh-huh. So twos tend to be very outgoing. They tend to really reach out to people a lot. Their energy goes out. They focus on other people, um, and, and they almost create a sense of comfort and power for themselves by being supportive of other people. And they can do quite a lot for other people, uh-huh. um, and they're just tuned into that. For me, as a self-preservation to, it's like I have more ambivalence about connecting with people. There's part of me that really wants to connect with people, but then there's also a kind of a fearfulness that sort of brings me backwards. So it's a little bit like a moving forward, but also moving backwards. Uh-huh. Um, there's a fear of like, well, what if they want too much for me, or what if they reject me, or mm-hmm. what will I be? What will be asked of me? Even though I want to be generous, there's a little bit of a twos can have a hard time saying no. Uh-huh. And so it's like, what if I get in a situation where I won't really want to say yes, but I can't say no? Uh-huh. So, so there's more fearfulness. There's a little bit more of a childlike nature to self-preservation, too, almost like we are kind of looking to be loved, looking for the love we might not have gotten early on. Uh-huh. So, again, we seek to be, like, charming and playful and fun-loving and, and um, funny and focus a lot on uh, pleasure and, and sort of being fun as a way of uh, get attracting people and sure. friends. Right, and right. Yeah. And then on the other hand, I'm an eight, which mm-hmm. can be, inti- who can be intimidating. And, um, yes. and my subtype is the social connection to group. What, what do you call that? The... Right, right. The social instinct. <laughs> it's interesting. It's, I mean, these are animal instincts uh-huh. and it's a little bit like you can see in, in the animal world, getting along with the herd is a good thing. Sure. And when we do workshops on instincts and subtypes, we actually show videos of, like, swarms of sardines and the way they swim all together. Uh-huh. Um, and certainly in earlier eras of human history, when you didn't survive unless you were in a tribe. Absolutely, yeah. You can see that a little bit more. But it, it's even like that today. It's, it's almost a sensitivity to what's going on with other people. Uh, what's going on in the group? Sometimes it it it, it shows up as concern for social causes. Yes, and social aids in particular can be very. They tend to be very protective of others. Uh-huh. Uh, they tend to be sometimes aids can be perceived as being uh, more. Usually, aids do conflict more easily than other types. Most aids don't say they don't really like conflict, but they right. can do it. They, yeah. They're not afraid of it. Yes, um, but. Um, Eights are, the social eights are a little more mellow, a little less uh, aggressive, but they usually relate to being assertive, uh-huh. uh, but very tuned into other people, especially people that need protection or might be being exploited by others. So, for instance, I see a lot of social eights getting involved in causes where of animal rescue or oh, yeah, that's me. children yeah. or, or, or women who have been abused or uh-huh. things like that. 
very sensitive to underdog causes and, and ways that they can use their strengths for good in the world to protect those who may not be as strong. Yeah, and, and from my perspective about my own journey, it, it feels really important to me to show up and be a leader to help the collective, so to speak. Yes. And, you know, part of how I'm doing that is within the, the context of um, the consciousness realm. And for a long time, it was within the energy healing realm. Um, but that's like, that's so, such an integral part of my mission here, that if I didn't have that piece, I would feel like I, I wasn't fulfilled. Right. And even this radio show is a great example of that, mm-hmm. right? Getting right. the message, important messages out Absolutely. about important topics, about, you know, what you talk about to a lot of people all at once. Yeah. And it's interesting because I've had people say to me, well, does it, having your show bring in a lot of more business? And it's like, well, you know, I, I thought about that at the very beginning, but really I'm not featuring myself. It's, it's, it's kind of like my community service to the world is yes. t- to have these conversations because I'm so mission-based in that respect. Um, right. Yeah. It, so it's, it's just kind of spot on for me. That's a great example. So um, the, can you share with, with our listeners a little bit about somebody who's got the subtype of the, the one-on-one kind of, um, you know, intent? Sure, sure, yeah. There's, um, uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about sort of uh, my assistant who kind of works with us and coordinates our events. She's a, she actually, she's a one-to-one-eight uh-huh. Um and one to ones tend to be there tends to be a little bit more of a laser like focus on one other person and uh-huh. it's not just sometimes there's like a lot of focus on the partner but it's more like one person at a time right <laughs> it can be right. you know more than one person in their lives uh but they tend to have a lot of intensity um and a lot of energy and uh just a real focus that it, it can sometimes feel like that other person is everything uh-huh, right. So a lot of needs can get met through that other person or through a key relationship. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's a lot of energy to make relationships happen, um, to really um, sort of move toward people in an active way, uh, to express interest. Um, um, people who are one-to-one twos, I always say I envy them because they tend to be really good at flirting. Uh, yeah. You know, sort of, <laughs> which I think is such a great. It, it's like how you kind of create relationships with this sort of, with a kind of, uh, you know, energy of personal appeal and uh-huh. kind of creating a space where you can make a connection um, in a certain way. So, um, so yeah, they tend to be, and it's also an energy behind creativity. Oh, interesting. So they can often be very generative and creative when they're, especially when they're in a good space. Mm-hmm. This is fascinating. Um, we're going to go to another quick break, but when we return, I'm going to share with you how you can connect with Beatrice, and we're going to talk about how um, the Enneagram can, be, can relate to leadership and bosses. Stay tuned for more with Beatrice Chestnut here in just a few moments. Have you been seeing numbers like 111 and 222 everywhere you go? Do you feel that the universe may be trying to get your attention, perhaps offering a message of some sort? As it turns out, numerical patterns and certain types of geometry form the very fabric of our reality, from cells under a microscope to the astronomy of our night sky. At Stellar Reflections, we offer special sessions which tap into these patterns, designed specifically to support you on your journey. The 111 and 222 activations are sessions activating new patterns in your energy field 
which in turn can help you create new patterns in your life. After just one session with a practitioner, either in person or via distance, clients report gaining greater clarity, becoming more intuitive, and honoring their inner truth as they move forward in their lives. Curious about what these transformational sessions might do for you? Call 425-999-9836 or visit StellarReflections.com. That's StellarReflections.com. Have you lost a loved one and would desperately love a sign to prove that they are okay? Here's a tip for you. Be curious, keep an open mind about everything. The proof will come from the most unlikely places. The messages promise to challenge your current beliefs in what you've been taught. Accept and appreciate all, no matter where they come from. I'm Angie Corbett Kuiper. I would love for you to share your signs from beyond on my closed Facebook page, Beyond Grief. What is a brilliant culture and how do we create them? Why are they important? Claudette Rowley has created a breakthrough five-step process to help you align your culture with your business strategy for exceptional results. Looking for a culture that drives organizational excellence? Listen to Cultural Brilliance Radio, the second and fourth Friday of each month at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Transformation Talk Radio. To learn more or work with Claudette, visit culturalbrilliance.com. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. For centuries, spiritual traditions have talked about how humans have an energy field, or aura, surrounding them. Although skeptical scientists refuted this for decades, science is now beginning to catch up with spirituality. Scientists can actually measure light emanating from living beings, so they can measure the human aura, which in scientific terms is known as the biofield. Many medical practitioners around the world use an instrument to evaluate a patient's biofield for the purpose of diagnosing illness. They understand that imbalanced or insufficient light in a person's energy field indicates a physical or emotional problem. The good news? There are ways to balance and increase your light, resulting in greater well-being. For more information, please check out StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch Show here on KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. And in the gazillion syndicated places, this ends up after the fact. Thank you for joining us here. And this hour is flying by. Um, Beatrice, before we go any further, I want you to share with our listeners how they can connect with you and what events you might have coming up. Sure. Um, They can learn about my workshops and uh, other things on my website, which is BeatriceChestnut.com. Um, We're coming out with a new website at the end of the month that's going to be more about the Enneagram school that my business partner and I are starting, which Uh will be called Chestnut Pious Enneagram Academy. Uh, But BeatriceChestnut.com is the place, and we we do workshops for professionals who want to use the Enneagram in the workplace and with clients. We also do inner work retreats where we help people kind of go deeper and make some deep inner shifts. Uh, using the Enneagram as a tool. Um, And we have a professional workshop coming up at the end of February and our first retreat called The Real Enneagram at the beginning of March in California, Northern California. Uh And if somebody wants to just get an assessment to figure out what type they are, what subtype they are, how do they go about doing that? Sure. There's a couple ways. Um, We have um, the the one test that I refer people to because a lot of online tests really aren't very good Uh when it comes to the Enneagram um, is something called, it's put out by a company called Integrative Enneagram Solutions. Uh, And that's 
by far the best test. It's, it's an online test. It takes about 30 minutes, and it uh, comes out with a report. Um, but another way is to do a typing interview. I do 90-minute typing interviews with people and you know, ask a whole lot of questions and then usually help guide them toward you know, the one or two types that I think they probably are. Right. Um, and, and so those are probably two of the basic ways. Sometimes people just read books and kind of fi- find themselves in one of the types they read about. Uh, but those are the ways I would recommend. It's funny because when I, I first started to figure it out, try to figure it out by reading a book, um, I was identifying with so many aspects of, of the various types. At, I wasn't sure. But yeah. um, once I took the, the survey and it, I was somebody else, you know, some system was typing me for me, it was, it was much easier for me to see, oh, yeah, this is me. Yeah, I think it's, it's hard to find your type because people identify pieces of themselves in different types. And it makes sense that we have connections to at least four other types, the uh-huh. types right next to us on the circular diagram and the two types that we're connected to with the internal arrow lines uh-huh. that are within the Enneagram symbol. And so it makes sense that it can be hard to find your type. And so there is a bit of a learning curve with the Enneagram, but I think it, if people invest the time in understanding it a bit, it, it, it pays off a lot. Uh-huh. And um, based on what I read here, it was also fascinating for me to think in terms of, you know, p- other people in my life and what types they are. Yeah. Um, and so I know that there's probably a lot of inner work you can do. But also it seems like it's, it would be helpful for relationships as well, including um, yeah. bosses. Uh, yeah. And you've got an entire book on the nine types of leadership. Um, right. So why is it important to know, like, how, what kind of leaders we are or what kind of leaders we need to deal with at the office? Well, I think, first of all, some people feel like there's a leader type uh, and that not all types can be leaders. And so one of the things I wanted to emphasize is that everybody has leadership ability. That uh-huh. It just tends to take a different shape. Uh, and so sometimes people think, well, I can't be a leader because I'm like this. And so... Right. I I thought it was good to highlight the strengths that different types naturally have and can develop, but also the challenges that particular leaders have so that they can be better. Yes. Um, I think that probably the key aspect of any leader in being a good leader is having the ability to observe themselves and notice uh, what their strong points are, but also what their blind spots and challenges are. And the leaders that can't look at that, that get defensive around feedback that Mm -hmm. I think aren't very successful in the long run. And to have a sense of of how we can affect others, even if we're doing something that isn't like really what what psychologists would call the shadow side, so to speak, but it's just kind of like, for instance, I think I can be rather intimidating. And it, it surprises me sometimes because I'm just sort of straightforward and bold and it's just who I am, and I don't try to be intimidating, but I've, I've come to learn that people can be intimidated by me. And yeah. so reading about type 8 helps me to understand that that's, that's sort of naturally who I am, and this is the reaction that, that people who are working with me could have. Exactly. Exactly. It helps people understand other people uh, so they can just have more empathy, so they can see more where they're coming from and find ways to work together uh, in a more easy way. Like sometimes you'll have a leader who is, you know, causing a problem because they can't make a decision. Right. Um, and so to understand, for the leader themselves to understand, say they're a six, 
um, and why they can't make a decision and have compassion for themselves, but also realize how that has a negative effect at work, you know, as a leader, and how they can work on that. Um, it sort of frames the whole thing as just a normal human issue rather than people having faults and not being able to grow. Uh-huh, yeah. So how can we use the Enneagram um, to create change in our lives? I think the Enneagram helps us see with more clarity uh, the ways we get in our own way mm. and the ways we may not see that we get in our own way. Um, and so recognizing, you know, I tend to do this thing, and it's actually not really serving me. And so the Enneagram, it gives us a little bit more of an objective map of our strengths and our challenges. Mm-hmm. And sometimes our challenges are simply us overdoing our strengths and not uh-huh. creating a wider repertoire of strategies. Oh, that's interesting. Say that again, because I, I, I think this is a really important point. Yeah. So, I mean, so many times people want to focus on strengths, and I think that's a good thing. But sometimes people overuse their strengths to the point where they don't recognize different strategies that they may need to add to their toolkit that can actually help them be more flexible, uh-huh. adaptable, do more things in their lives, and not be uh, kind of stuck in sort of doing the same thing over and over again, even when different strategies would actually be more effective. Right. That's fascinating. Um we have run out of time. I want to share with our listeners again your website. It's BeatriceChestnut.com. That's B-E-A-T-R-I-C-E-C-H-E-S-T-N-U-T.com. Um, do you have a final message for our listeners? Um, just to say I appreciate anyone who's doing the inner work and, and is dedicated to their own growth. I think it's both good for individuals and also for the community. So, and I appreciate you doing the show. I think it's uh, it's it's a really beautiful thing. Thank oh, you for thank having Thank you. Me. Oh yeah, it's been a joy, and I've really enjoyed your books. Um, and I'm fascinated by this. It's it's like there's so many systems out there, and this is very informative for me. Um, anyway, if you happen to celebrate Christmas, and I know there are a lot of you out there, and you're listening to this before Christmas, I want to wish you and your family a very merry Christmas. Uh, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. I will be here before 2019. I'll be here again next week. Thanks for joining us here today. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you'd like to empower yourself to step further into your vibration of change, please visit my website at christineupchurch.com, where you can learn more about my insights, upcoming events, and private sessions.